The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Well, a very good afternoon to you all, and thank you very much for joining me. This is a live episode of The Anonymous Landlord. I'm going live on Facebook. This will also be on my podcast, and thank you very much for joining me. But today, I'm going to give you all an update on all of the laws, the changes to laws, all the legislation, all the rules, and all the processes, all the stuff that you need to know as a landlord, because as you all know, it has changed massively over the last, what, 10 months or so. So we all need to know what we need to know. And uh, there is so much that landlords must know, especially nowadays, but there's also so much that landlords don't really know at all. So it's probably more important than ever to uh, continually update you on what is changing and what's going on in the on the legal side of all of this. And that's where I come in, so hopefully I'm doing my best to keep everybody in the know and everybody updated on what's going on. Why am I doing that? Well, do you know what? If you're not gonna be my customer, then I just wanna make sure you get it right. If you are gonna be a customer of my letting agent, then of course we'll do it all for you, but if you're not, then at least you're gonna know what you need to do. So today I've got an awesome, awesome legal landlord update for you. Uh, we're going to go through, first of all, an update on the current eviction ban and the eviction extensions. Now, if you're not currently going through any kind of eviction process with your tenants, then you still need to know this stuff just in case you do, because it also relates to section notices and changes within the section notices, i.e. section 21, section 8 and all of that. Uh, I'll also give you a quick heads up about the electrical installation condition report, the EICR, and what you definitely need to know about that. And there's a few little areas of that which you might not know, so hopefully that will tidy it up for you. I'm going to give you a quick recap about how the tenant fee ban has really affected landlords. And this one's quite important because I know of landlords that don't think the tenant fee ban has affected them because they don't know the ins and outs of the tenant fee ban. So I'm going to go through that too. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into landlord insurances as well. Because I think that if you're a landlord, you probably somewhere in your mind, you think I need landlord insurance, but you're a bit unsure about what you need and what you don't need. So I'm going to go through a few little bits and tips and hints and uh, whatever about landlord insurances too. And I'm also gonna talk you through legislation in 2021, the changes that are coming, that I think are coming, all the new stuff, um, and what do I think is gonna happen in the future with all of this. So look, there's loads of DIY self-managing landlords out there. So this hopefully will help all of you. And along the way, there's a few opinions from me and a few bits of advice on how you can get this all right. So. Let's start off with the eviction ban and the eviction extensions. 
Um, just to recap on that, the eviction ban was brought in, if you remember, back in lockdown one. Um, and then it was lifted again in September last year, and then it was uh, 2020, and then it was reinstated again in December 2020. Um, what it means to everyone is that current evictions, first of all, cannot be enforced by bailiffs until at least the 21st of February. And I say at least because I think that might well be extended again, just to pre-warn you. So if you are currently going through uh, an eviction case, and even if you've been awarded the eviction order, you can't get that tenant out yet anyway just to pre-warn you. I do also think that might be extended, but I'll come back to that in a second. All eviction cases basically can't go to court until March the 31st. Now, what that means is if you've issued notice to your tenant and now that tenant hasn't vacated and need to get them out, and you need to go to court, you can't do that until after the 31st, or you can't get your eviction order until after the 31st, unless it's in serious cases, such as things like domestic violence or antisocial behavior, fraud, um, criminal activity, like if your property's being used for a drug den, then stuff like that, you can uh, expedite that process and get, get it sorted quickly. I do think that ban is going to extend again. I hope I'm wrong, but um, it's a catch-22, isn't it? Because you've got to help the tenants out and make sure that tenants aren't thrown out of their home when they're having difficulties too because of COVID. But at the same time, there are so many landlords that are having massive difficulties with um, tenants at the moment. So, look, I think the ban is going to extend again. Uh, this is just my opinion. And then I think that the government are going to gradually allow cases to be seen in order of priority. So you can see they're doing this already with um, domestic violence, antisocial behavior. I think they're gonna expand those categories and let more cases be seen, but control how many cases are seen. It's like the NHS example, isn't it? They're just trying to protect the court system to make sure they're not overrun and overloaded. Now, if you have applied to the court previously for an eviction, then you might need to reapply, or at least you might need to send the courts a confirmation that you still require that eviction hearing. So don't forget that. And you can check online or with the courts to see if you do still need to do that, but I would recommend doing it. So section notices, it's six months to issue that you have noticed that you need to give to the tenant. Um, and also, by the way, if you gave notice to the tenant between the 26th of March and the 28th of August, at that point, it extended to three months notice. Now that stays the same. So if you've seen out that three months, that still stands. But any notices after the 29th of August is six months and that's it. Again, except in serious cases, it's things like more than six months in arrears or I talked about the domestic uh, uh, violence, antisocial behavior, that sort of stuff. But also if the tenant has deceased, it sounds really silly, but you still need to give notice to end that tenancy. Or by the way, if the tenant has breached the immigration rules. And if you were on my webinar last night, uh, sorry, yesterday afternoon, which was the everything you need for every single tenancy, every single time webinar, then I would have talked you through the right to rent checks that support that immigration stuff. Um, that is also, by the way, available for replay. So if you want to be sent that replay of the webinar, everything you need for every tenancy, every time, message me through Facebook or comment below and I'll send you the link. 
Anyway, I think the challenge that people are going to find with regards to evictions and notice periods and all of that is the actual eviction itself. I think you'll be able to, at some point over the year, get to that stage where you've completed the notice period required and you've gone to court and gained an eviction order. But I think actually getting the tenant out is going to be your challenge, actually repossessing the property. So I'm telling you that because I think I need, I'd like you to prepare for that as a worst case scenario that could happen. Um, now, by the way, this only relates to actual evictions. You can, your tenant can actually leave voluntarily or agree to leave voluntarily. If they do that, get it in writing for sure and allow them to leave. But my advice to you, if you need a tenant to leave or you want a tenant to leave, definitely don't harass, don't be pushy. Definitely don't try and force them out because at the moment, all of the power, all of the favor is on the tenant's side. So if you're seen to be forceful, pushy, argumentative or anything like that, then a judge is really going to come down harder on you and more favorable to the tenants. Now, you can actually use a mediation service. If you've got a, a situation with a tenant where maybe they're not paying rent or maybe they're damaging the property or something like that, you can use a mediation service between landlord and tenant to, um, I guess, mediate that whole process. And you might be able to come to some agreements in that sense. For an example, the PRS, the property redress scheme would be the first place I would try because they specialize in the private rented sector. So yeah, if you've got issues with your tenant, use a mediation service like the PRS. Um, I think it's just prs.com or something like that. All right, EICRs, Electrical Installation Condition Report. So all new tenancies require a pass. They don't just require the report, it must pass. And that report will show you either C1, C2 or C3 requirements or recommendations on that report, which basically means if it's a C1, it means that there's something dangerous it, it needs immediate attention. You've got to get it fixed. It won't pass. It's a C2. It's potential danger that needs your attention. C3 means there's no danger, but something needs improving. And a qualified electrician will do that for you. It normally costs about 150 quid, um, maybe a little bit more, but don't go cheap on that. I promise you. And get it booked in now before the price goes up because the demand goes up. As soon as April 1st hits, so right now, all new tenancies must have it. But as of April 1st, all tenancies must have an EICR. So that means the demand is going to go up. And if you can't get an electrician out to that property, it's tough luck. You've got to get it done. No excuses. All right, tenant fee ban. This one's an important one because I think a lot of landlords, DIY landlords, self-managing landlords, don't think that the tenant fee ban affects them or changes anything they do. Well, it really does. And it really does affect more landlords than I think a lot of people realize. So I'm going to give you a couple of rules around that. Number one is deposits. You can now only take up to five weeks of the deposit. And that's, that's relevant because there are a lot of landlords with more expensive properties, perhaps, that might charge two months worth of deposit. Well, you can only charge up to five weeks. What happens if you charge more than that? I'll tell you later. But if that's, that's on properties where the rent is less than 50 grand a year, so it's about 
4,000, it's 4,166 pounds per month. You can only charge up to five weeks rent. If it's more than 50K a year rent, then it's six weeks rent. Tops, absolute max. You can also charge a holding fee of no more than one week and you can only hold it for 15 days unless otherwise agreed between you and the tenant in writing. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because I've, I, when I was a tenant years ago, I was charged two months rent without even, I paid it without even thinking about it. But now you just can't do that. Five weeks maximum um, on most rental properties. Now there's also late rents. Look, the whole thing about tenant fee bans is that you can't charge tenants. Simple as that. But late rent, for an example, if your tenant is more than two weeks late on rent, you can only charge them 3% above the Bank of England's base rate per year. Per year. I know, it sounds crazy. So we're talking like a couple of pounds. Oh, sorry, not even pounds, really, if you spread... 3% across a whole year. And how to work that out? If your rent's £1,000, I'm just literally throwing figures out here. If your rent is £1,000 per month and the tenant goes above two weeks late on one month's rent, they owe you £1,000, you can charge them 3% per year on that late rent, right? So that means that you can charge that tenant 30 quid a year. Now, you know, what's that? That's about £2.50 a month, <laughs> something like that. So it's not a lot. It's not much of an incentive. And there are tenants that say, oh, well, I'll just pay it when I want then. £2.50, no problem at all. It's a very cheap loan, so to speak. Anyway, you can charge for lost keys up to a fiver. You can also charge for changes to the tenancy. Like if you need to take one tenant off and put another one on or any changes like that up to 50 quid. Now, if you do charge a tenant something that you're not allowed to charge them because of the tenant fee ban, and there's loads of things that you can't and can charge them, then you'll get a five grand fine. Five grand straight away, without even thinking about it. If you repeat that same offence within a five year period, it's then a criminal offence, and you'll be fined 30 grand. And again, without thinking about it. Because especially now where the government and the councils and the legal system, they're all out for landlords. And don't take it personally. What they're trying to do is just weed out the dodgy landlords that don't really care about the tenant's well-being or comfort. So good. That's a good thing. But what you can charge for, for an example, if you've got a HMO or a student property or something like that, you can charge for utilities and services. Things like council tax, um, gas, water, electric, TV license, broadband, phone, things like that. If you provide that for your tenant and you're paying it for them, you can charge that on. So um, don't worry about that too much. Now, I promised you a little bit about landlord insurance. Now, while this isn't a legal update, I thought it might be quite fitting considering we're in this COVID-19 um, pandemic at the moment and loads of things are changing and rents aren't being paid and stuff's happening to properties. It's been a bit crazy. But if you're looking at landlord insurance, the first thing I will say, if you want to take out a landlord insurance, send me a message through my Facebook page, comment below and I'll message you or send me an email, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk, 
and I will help you put an insurance policy in place that works for you. Anyway, things that you need to look out, if you're going to do it yourself, here are a few things you need to look out for taking out landlord insurance. Number one, public liability. And that will cover you against things like the tenant's injuries and things like that. Right, make sure that's on there. Accidental damage, you can actually add this, an accidental damage component, if you like, to your buildings and contents insurance or just your buildings insurance. Things like malicious damage as well. So obviously there's a big difference between accidental lamp damage and on purpose damage. And you can actually have cover for both. So if you've got any kind of damage cover on your landlord insurance policy, then it's good to have both. Because you never know what type of tenant you're going to get. Uh, landlord's buildings insurance as well. There is a specific landlord buildings insurance policy. And by the way, I am not a insurance advisor. I'm just a landlord and I'm a letting agent. As you can probably tell, that's my company. Uh, you all know that by now. Um, but I'm just trying to help. If you're looking to choose a landlord policy yourself, then these are the things you need to know. But if not, if, if you're not sure, just send me a message. I'll, sort, I'll get it sorted for you, no problem. Anyway, so landlord building insurance. Include damage from a neighbouring property. Now, I'm not saying you have to have that or it's, it's um, a requirement, but a lot of policies should include damage from a neighbouring property, i.e. if your neighbour's house or um, the flat above or something like that, if there's a leak and that affects your property, then you should be covered for that. Try and include boiler repair or replacement boiler. Uh, again, what a lot of insurers will do is check to see how much the cost of repair is going to be. And if it's cheaper to replace it, they'll do that. Also, storm damage is a big one. Flooding and fire, those sorts of things. If something like that were to happen to your property, um, then you need to make sure you're covered. Glass, windows and doors, those things. Drains and plumbing. And also, this is one that people miss quite a lot, is that make sure the cost of rehousing your tenant is covered. So if something serious happens to the property and the tenant can't live there while it's being repaired, then there is a cost involved in rehousing that tenant. And another big one, I don't even know how to describe this, but we're in a pandemic right now, and I hear, I'm hearing loads of landlord insurance policies that do not cover against pandemics. I know, it's mental. And who would have thought, if I'd have gone back a year ago, a couple of years ago and said, hey, what do you reckon the chances are of us having a global pandemic and being in lockdown for a year? You'd have said no chance. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, so a lot of landlords are suffering right now because they're not covered for a pandemic. Um, and a lot of insurers are coming under heavy criticism for that policy. Uh, but there are also a lot of insurers that have um, covered for that policy. Loss of rent is a big one. Obviously, if you can get loss of rent cover included in your landlord insurance, that's good. It's a good thing to have, especially now, but also in the future. You know, some sort of rent guarantee in there just provides you, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, with a little bit of security of knowing that if something happens, you don't get paid your rent, you can claim it back in the future. Landlord emergency cover is another thing to try and include. Um, so basically, if you're doing this all yourself, obviously, if you're, you, you've got a good letting agent working for you, then they'll have their own emergency procedures in place. But um, if you're looking at landlord um, insurance for yourself and your DIY landlord, then make sure you're covered for emergencies, emergency call outs and stuff like that. 
Legal cover, big one. Make sure you're covered for legal costs because nowadays tenants have more rights than ever before. They have more care than ever before, more support than ever before. And it's been quite heavily publicized. So it's more likely, I'm not saying you will end up in court or a tenant is gonna sue you, but you're more likely to end up sued by a tenant or in court, so, and in court. So make sure you're covered for the legal costs about that. Make sure you're covered, and this is a big one, make sure you're covered for landlord liabilities, right? So if your tenant, for an example, is injured because of, uh, I don't know, faulty wiring, now that's an area that you're responsible for, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, and you can get cover for landlord's liabilities. Another little one, vacant property cover. Some insurers will only cover your property if the property is occupied. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. Obviously, if there's someone in the property, they're going to care for the property, which makes sense. Um, little things like, I don't know, I guess squatting could be a risk and damp and stuff like that. So, um, but lastly, I want to finish off the insurance part. And I'm just about to go through what's coming up in uh, 2021 for landlord um, legislation, legal compliance and all of that. But before I do, if you are a portfolio landlord, talk to your insurer about multiple property port policies because you can have the same cover and you can save money because the insurer will know that if you've got 10 properties, for an example, the insurer will know that I provide one policy to one person, the chances are much lower that all of those properties are going to go to court, right? So the insurer will probably offer you a much cheaper policy with the same level of cover for your portfolio. So ask them about multiple property policies. Anyway, what is coming up in 2021? Well, do you know what? What's coming up in the future, really, for landlords and landlord legislation? And the first thing I want to say is that I do believe that in the very near future, all landlords in the UK will require a landlord license. Now, some of you will have already heard of that because landlord licensing is already in place in Wales and actually a load of councils uh, across England have implemented landlord licensing. This will be coming. I'm absolutely sure of it. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. And believe it or not, I do think it's a good thing, but I think it's going to catch a lot of landlords out. So actually, I'm going to be interviewing, I won't give it all away now, but I'm actually interviewing a, uh, a landlord licensing expert on my podcast, uh, The Anonymous Landlord, uh, who will hopefully anyway tell us Tell all of us landlords and agents as well what we need to do to get ready for landlord licensing and what it will mean. Um, I think as well there's there's going to be a bit of a, a bottleneck, if you like, because obviously we're going to have to apply for these things. And as landlords, we make an application. What we always do is do it at the last minute, right? So this uh, hopefully when I get this landlord licensing expert onto the podcast, they're going to tell us everything we need to get ready for that and avoid that bottleneck of applications because councils can't cope as it is. Now you're going to throw in a, you know, a few million applications at them. We'll see how we get on. Another thing that's coming in, I have no doubt, is something called ROPA, which is the Regulation of Property Agents. Again, you might have heard about this before and you might feel that as a landlord, this isn't relevant to you, but it is. 
This is gonna be for everyone. The regulation of property agents is not just about letting agents. This is about anybody who manages a tenancy, DIY landlords, letting agents of course, or even employees of landlords or anybody that landlords contract to manage any aspect of their tenancy. You're all gonna to need to be qualified or accredited. And they're talking about it being an ALA level qualification or equivalent, um, but they haven't officially announced it. And this is gonna be the big part. When they do announce it, all landlords and all property agents or anyone dealing with tenancies is gonna to have to go out and study and get qualifications and so on. And you might think, oh, it'd be easy. I know how to instruct a gas safety certificate. I know how to um, do advertise a property on Rightmove. No, it's a lot more than that. There's the HHSRS for a start. So I won't go through all of that right now. That's too big. But um, if you want to know more about the legislation, the legal side of being a landlord, um, if you need advice on the legal side of being a landlord or being compliant, then just message me through the Facebook page um, or drop a comment below and I'll message you or email me. It's tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. But overall, I think this is a good thing. I actually think that this is a, a bit of a strategy from the government to get rid of the dodgy landlords, the dodgy letting agents that don't really look after the tenants. And we all have to remember that we're providing people with a home. So we can't be dodgy landlords. We can't be dodgy agents. We can't not care about their comfort and security. So I do also think that this is just the start. I actually think this strategy uh, to have all, I think the strategy is basically to have all tenancies managed by qualified, trained and regulated people. That can't be a bad thing. And then the longer term future for compliance and legislation for landlords, I think all of this is happening because we're preparing as a country for a major increase in the private rented sector. I think more and more people are gonna have to rent properties and the government know this. So they're now implementing tons and tons and tons of regulation, legislation, processes, in order to make sure that when that happens and as it increases, that the private rented sector is a good quality, secure and safe place for uh, tenants to live. Because again, remember, we're dealing with people here. Imagine you watching this right now. Imagine if your mortgage lender, if you own your property, imagine if your mortgage lender had the right to just come into your property and um, take things away or, or didn't, you know, or you weren't allowed to fix anything and no one else could, everything was just running ragged and um, in a state of disrepair, you wouldn't like it. And it's the same with tenants. So we have a duty and a responsibility, all of us landlords and letting agents to make sure that tenants are comfortable, happy, secure and safe. So I do think the government are tidying it all up. Now, the landlords that don't follow these laws and look, there's tons of laws. This was just trying to be a quick landlord legal update, but uh, there's so many more pieces of legislation that I could go through with you today. There's 176 different pieces of legislation that landlords should be aware of, mental. Anyway, I'm not gonna talk you through each one of those, but landlords that don't follow those laws and the right processes are going to be made an example of. I just want to warn you about that. Now, most landlords that I deal with 
that are DIY landlords, self-managing landlords, um, are good people and they want to get it right. And they watch my videos, they listen to my podcast because they want to learn how to get it right. Or they watch other people's videos and other people's podcasts to make sure they get it right. And that's a good thing. But it's the people that don't. The people that think that any time they want, they could just go and knock that door and say, right, tenant out. Don't have to get things fixed. Don't have to repair things. Don't have to look after things. Don't have to make their tenants safe and secure. They're the ones that actually, I agree, need to be either removed or trained (laughs) <laughs> whichever one. So I do think this is a good thing. Anyway, that's the landlord legal update. I'm just going to very quickly summarise. Um, I think the summaries are probably quite beneficial, but the eviction ban is in place. Um, so any notice periods must be a minimum of six months and you can't go to court to evict a tenant until at least March 31st. Warning, I think that's going to be extended. The energy Uh, energy the electrical installation condition report must be done on all new tenancies now and warning as of the 1st of april 2021 it's going to be required on all tenancies existing and new believe me this is not going to be an april fools on the 1st of april if you haven't got an eicr on your tenancy then No one's going to say, April Fools, you're going to be hit hard. The tenant fee ban, all of those things I mentioned there, you can't, basically, look, just remember, you can't charge tenants. Simple as that. If you remember that rule, you can't get this wrong. You won't be charged five grand or 30 grand or uh, put in prison. You're not going to go to prison. I wouldn't have thought. Hope not, anyway. Um, I gave you a few tips there about landlord insurance. Maybe just rewind through this if you missed that. But basically, I was going, I went through everything you need to look out for with landlord insurance. There's obviously loads more. Insurance is a massive subject, but hopefully that gives you some guides. If you need me to connect you up with a good la- uh, landlord insurance provider, then happy to do so. Comment below and I'll message you or message me through Facebook or email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. Get ready for landlord licensing. Get ready for the regulation of property agents. And let's all work together on making sure that all landlords know what they've got to do at all times. We all have to help each other because everything is changing. That's my goal anyway. I just want to make sure everyone's getting it right. If you're going to be my customer, of course, my company will do it for you. If you're not going to be my customer, I just want to make sure everybody gets this stuff right. So I hope that helps. I've done it. I've stuck below 30 minutes. That was my target. Yes. Thank you for joining me. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message, I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.